0: Well, if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18 is where we're going to be this morning as we continue in our series entitled Freedom, where we're really trying to deal with our yesterdays so that we can move forward in our tomorrows. Uh, Sometimes the greatest hindrance of us moving forward is actually that we're still bound and held by things that happened yesterday and in our past and so we're we've been looking at the scripture kind of reorienting our lives to finding true life in God and what he has for us and so uh, today we're going to jump right in Matthew chapter 18 starting in verse 21 Uh, you can uh, follow along there on your own as I read aloud first uh, verse 21 then Peter came to Jesus and asked Lord how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? If somebody does the same thing seven times, you would think that seven times of forgiveness ought to be, ought to be good. But, but Jesus says something really interesting. He says this. I tell you, not seven times, but seven, seven times, 77 times. In other words, 490 times, In a day, Peter, that's how many times. (laughs) Jesus kind of anted it up a little bit. For those of you math geniuses, uh, that's one time every three minutes you should be forgiving somebody. It's a lot of forgiveness. Jesus then tells a story starting in verse 23. He says, "'Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants.'" As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold. Somebody say, that's a lot of gold. I don't believe you. That 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. And since he was not able to pay the master, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before the master. Be patient with me, he begged. I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found his fellow servants who owed him just a 100 silver coins. He grabbed him, began to choke him, and said, pay back what you owe. He demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees, begged him, oh, please be patient with me. I I promise I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers and to be tortured until he should be able to pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. In my Bible, these words are in red, which tells me Jesus is the one who said them. And if Jesus said them, we ought to pay attention to them. I'm gonna bring a message to you today entitled, Beastings Stings and Stacking Stones. Beastings Stings and Stacking Stones. And stacking stones. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and tell him, bee stings. Turn your other neighbor that you don't like as much and tell him, stacking stones. Bee stings, stacking stones. Now, by a quick show of hands, how many of you are afraid of bees? Come on, honest in the house of the Lord, you run from bees. I get it, I understand. It's, it's true, there are many people who uh, are afraid of bees. But the reality is, that we really ought not be afraid of, of bees because they're not going to sting you unless you bother them. If you mess with them, they're going to mess back. If you aggravate them, they're going to come and make you aggravated too. Uh, I've been doing some reading on bees because we've had some uh, certain bees that are around our house, some carpenter bees, and I just had done a little bit of reading on bees recently, and, and I got, kind of got stuck reading about these honey bees. And these honeybees will not bother you unless you bother them. In fact, if you aggravate them, step on them, threaten them, or they feel threatened, that's when they sting back. That's when they come back for you, and they don't quit, do they? Those little buggers just come buzzing right by, doing everything and anything they can to sting you back because you messed with them first. I wonder if we could relate to these bees. When things come our way that aggravate us, bother us, hurt us, bring pain into our lives, oftentimes we just can't let it go, can we? We do whatever it takes to retaliate, hold a grudge, hope they get injured, gossip about them, speak ill of them. We refuse to let it go. And something in us gets often enraged because we've been hurt. And, and I understand. I want you to hear me very empathetically today. It's, it's not that forgiveness is easy. It's not that forgiveness even makes everything seem perfect and right again. Oftentimes, the depth of our pain reveals the depth to which we've been hurt. But the depth of our hurt really reveals the depth of our ability to love. Because our pain or our offense, as Jesus talked about it, is often in correlation to our depth or capacity to love. We're not really good at giving forgiveness. Uh, I've met very few people who said, yep, one of the hallmarks of my life is that I'm quick to forgive. I'm known as the world's fastest forgiver. I've never really met anybody like that. We're not really good at giving forgiveness. In fact, I would venture to say that for many of us, the reason we struggle with giving forgiveness and forgiving somebody else is because we just have the wrong idea about forgiveness. Uh, For many people, we think that forgiveness is just simply minimizing an offense. It's like if we forgive them, then we're just like making it, oh, it's no big deal. But it is a big deal. 10,000 bags of gold is a huge debt to owe somebody. It's not that we ought to minimize it because it doesn't matter. No, that's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is not forgetting or even ignoring what happened. Maybe you've heard the phrase well, you just need to forgive and forget. That person's an idiot. (laughs) It's not about forgiving and forgetting, but it is about forgiving. Jesus didn't say, if you forgive and forget, then my Father will forgive and forget. He just said, if you forgive. See, when it comes to God's decision, he's made a decision that because we trust in Jesus, he chooses to remember our sins no more. What we remember is always our choice. But forgiveness is something that God says, you kind of need to do it. On my right shoulder, I have a scar about yay big, few inches long it's from when I was in 10th grade and I was uh, amongst many other of my classmates and we decided to play some ridiculous game called dollar takedowns two guys get in a circle start wrestling whoever falls to the ground loses a dollar I was a skinny little kid I got in the ring I didn't get back up for a very long time. Ended up breaking my AC joint in my right shoulder. Thankfully, they didn't make me pay the dollar because I was rushed to the hospital uh, where they gave me lots of pain meds. I ended up having surgery. And now as a result of that surgery, I bear the markings of the scars from that occurrence and experience. Friends, the scar is still there. I remember in great detail everything that happened. But you want to know what the difference is? The pain is gone. See, forgiveness doesn't remove the scars. It just heals the pain. And we have the wrong idea about forgiveness, that that it's just going to mean that if we give forgiveness, then then all of a sudden we don't remember it or we minimize it or we take it a step further and feel that if, if we give forgiveness, then all of a sudden we also have to have reconciliation. Forgiveness and reconciliation are not the same thing. We feel like that if we forgive somebody, automatically we have to become best friends with them. No, that's not true. And oftentimes is not healthy. Forgiveness isn't about reconciling. Forgiveness is a gift that we we give. But we don't like to give the gift because we don't think forgiveness is fair so we don't give it. Friends, forgiveness isn't based on merit. It's not based on fairness. It's not based on equality. It's just a gift that you give. I've never been to a birthday party where the kids were opening the gifts and the parents stood around and said, you know what? That's a really fair gift. That's a fair gift. I remember we invited them to our birthday party and they got a gift about the same amount. Seems fair. Fair gift. Great job, mom. That was a fair gift that you gave. That Never have those words really been connected. Why? Because when it comes to giving a gift, it's more about generosity than fairness. And forgiveness is for giving. Want me to say it again a little slower? Forgiveness, it is for giving. Forgiveness is a gift that you give. It's not apology that you receive. Let me say it again. You didn't write it down. Let me say it again. Forgiveness is a gift that you give. It's not an apology that you receive. Forgiveness is a gift. That's why God's grace is called a gift. That's why the merit and the love of God comes to us in the form of a gift. See, it's not based on merit. It's not based on fairness. See, we're trying to, to live, and we don't live on it fairly, anyways, because we're grading on a curve. Anyhow, we're grading on a curve on our actions, but yet demanding perfection from somebody else. We we grade other people based on their actions, but give us a pass based on our intentions. Well, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to sound that way. I didn't mean to do that. I'm sorry. They took it that way. We're we're doing it based on our intentions but we're holding everybody else hostage based on their actions. Forgiveness isn't fair, but it is a gift. And ultimately, we don't give forgiveness, and ultimately, we have a hard time with forgiveness, and ultimately, we don't really let things go because we don't feel like we can. I just don't have the strength to do it. I just don't have it in me to give it. That's tu- such a high price. I don't know that I could give that forgiveness to them for that. You want to know something? You really don't have the strength to forgive them. But it's not about your forgiveness. It's really about God's forgiveness that you've received that you also pass on to them. See, First John 4 says, we love because he first loved us. Romans 5, 5 says, and we have a hope that does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. No, you can't forgive because your love is so good. You give forgiveness because God's love is so amazing. It's a gift that you receive and you freely give it away. 2 Corinthians 9 tells us, freely we've received, therefore freely we ought to give. And the depth of love that God has given to us allows us to, from a deep place, also give that same forgiveness. The act of giving forgiveness is very much an act of love. Love. And love is a choice to sacrifice yourself for the sake of someone else. Forgiveness is something that God, dare I say, demands of us, but yet freely has given to us. It's not a price that you pay because God's already paid the price for forgiveness. Proverbs 17 verse 9 says this, Whoever would foster love covers an offense. But whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. Separates close friends. In your life and in my life, there have been things that have come to you where you see an offense. There's been a hurt. And the word offense in the original language is the word scandalon, which simply means bait. The hurt and the pain and the offense is a bait that we often take. The Bible talks about how there are these stumbling blocks in our way in life. How when we live a certain way, we can put a stumbling block, a a rock of an offense in front of somebody else. This this scandal on this, this, this tempting thing that where we are tempted to pick up this rock and each hurt and each pain done to you or that you experienced in your life that you hold on to is a rock and a burden that you're still carrying. They are these boulders, these rocks that we pick up along the way in our lives and we just hold on to them for whatever reason rather than choosing forgiveness. Since the start of the message, many of you have been probably wondering what in the world is he doing wearing a backpack? I, I can read your minds. It's the Holy Spirit right here telling me. No, Some of you are wondering. Here, here's here's what, what it is because like many of you, been carrying around these, these rocks and these burdens, these hurts, these pains are past. It's very real, and it's very heavy. It's very real, and it's very, very heavy. But the only person who has the ability to take it off is you, and it's me. Let, let me walk this through for just a minute, because I really think that there are kind of five broad categories of the hurts and the pains that we often have experienced. And when we experience them, because we don't deal with them with forgiveness, we pick them up as rocks and we carry them around in our lives. There's, there's really uh, five of them. And, and the first one that I want to talk about this morning is this idea, the uh, first rock of offense that we get is this idea of betrayal, where we've been Betrayed. Somebody that we shared something trusted to. We gave them a trusted piece of our heart or our story, and they betrayed us. They told us all. They, they bore all. They, they promised they would never tell, but they told. Maybe it was the friend who lied to you. Right to your face, lied to you. Maybe it was the husband that left you. Maybe it was trust that was broken, but you have felt You experienced true betrayal. Maybe for you it it wasn't betrayal. Maybe it was this, this, this rock of offense that we call being falsely accused. You were the subject of gossip and slander spread all over town. Everybody knew about it. Talking bad about you all through the school. Making fun of you. Maybe somebody misunderstood your actions and misinterpreted your intentions and have thought ill of you ever since you were falsely accused of something you never did and that experience you've been carrying around in your life. Maybe for you, it's this one. Rejection. You were rejected. You've experienced it. Maybe it was a a spouse who just constantly rejected you. They they didn't want your intimacy. They substituted it for, for a screen instead. Maybe they traded in for a different model of marriage, and they walked away. You felt rejected. Maybe it was a friend who promised to always be there, but they walked away. Maybe it was a parent who left, and now you felt rejected. Maybe it was an authority figure that you respected, But they've rejected you, a boss, maybe even a pastor. Maybe it was a church that rejected you because of the way you dressed, because of your history, because of the the tattoos that you wear or the hair length that you had. Maybe, Maybe you felt rejected because you didn't fit what they thought. And they were legalistic and held you to some standard that was impossible and you've been rejected and you've never gotten past it. You've carried around that rejection for years. Maybe, maybe for you it was abuse. Somebody verbally abused you. Somebody emotionally abused you. Maybe for you it was sexual abuse. You've never been able to get past it. You've tried to ignore it try to push it off to the side, never wanting to confront it, deal with it, acknowledge it. It's just been something you've been carrying your whole life. And it's weighed you down and it's hindered your relationships. This is a rock that I carried for many years in my own life. Maybe, maybe it's this last one. This It might seem small, but it adds up to a lot. Humiliation. Maybe you were publicly embarrassed. Maybe you got called out in class and you felt this sense of shame or embarrassment. Maybe it was a moment of disgrace when the local newspaper posted your darkest moment and now everybody knows about it and you feel this public humiliation. And it just adds to the collection of pain and hurt that you hold on to. You know, when it when it comes to these rocks, you might be sitting there and say, Pastor, what, what do we do with these rocks? We we see them, we know them, we've experienced them. But what do we do with them? Well, I think we have a few options. F- number one, we, we could, like many people do, choose to just hurl the stones. I've been hurt. And I'm going to make sure they get hurt. I'm going to react in anger. I'm going to retaliate. I'm going to get paid back. I'm going to do whatever it takes to make their life as miserable as my life has been. I'm going to cut them the way they cut me. It's eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. And We take them and we just hurl the stones right back at them. Because hurt people hurt people. Friends, there's good news. Healed people, heal people. Freed people, free people. Saved people, save people. Jesus came to help you lower the stones. Not to hurl them, not to lash out, not to try and be defensive, but to lay them back down. You could hurl them. And for many of you, that's how you've spent your life. That's that's the problem in your marriage, is that every time there's an argument, you just grab the nearest and latest stone and hurt, and you're ready to hurl it right back at your spouse. So they never forget the pain that they caused you. And it's trapped you, it's bound you, it's kept you hindered from really flourishing in your life, in your relationships. We could we could hurl the stones. Or, or another option we could we could harden our hearts and build a wall we could We could take the stones and start building this wall around our lives, never letting anybody in, staying isolated, keeping everybody at an arm's distance, being afraid to commit, being afraid to be vulnerable, never being honest. We harden our hearts and we make commitments and vows inside that says, I will never let that happen again. Nobody will ever hurt me that way. Nobody will ever hurt my children like that again. I will never trust anybody again. And We built the walls in our lives. I found that for many men this is their course of action they just toughen up harden up become this exterior of strength unwilling to let God heal their heart Ezekiel tells us that God wants to take our heart of stone and exchange it for a heart of flesh making what is dead and hard and cold alive again. Men, I'm challenging you. If your heart's been hard, if you've been hardened because of hurt and pain, maybe it was something a parent did, maybe it's nothing that you've done, but you've just been the byproduct and the bystander and it's been a residual thing in your life. I wanna challenge you men to do something the only way we no longer allow the hardness to exist is to choose humility instead. Next Sunday, we're having water baptism. You've likely given your life to the Lord, fellas. But maybe you've never been water baptized since making that new decision. It's a day I don't want you to leave without signing up for water baptism. It's time that the men tear down the walls. Choose humility and allow God to be the Lord of their lives and exchange the heart of stone for a heart that is flesh and alive again. Go public with your faith. Make the decision. Humble yourself and watch God do something great in your life. Sign up for water baptism. We could harden our hearts and build a wall, but then we're left all by ourselves with our pain and our toxicity and nobody else to blame but ourselves. So, we could hurl the stones, we could harden our hearts and build a wall, or a better option is we could take our stones, we could start stacking the stones and turn them into an altar and invite Jesus to come and heal that which we've been holding on to. What if you were to take the betrayal and the humiliation and the false accusations and you were to take all of these hurts and pains and you were to stack them up and say, God, I give them to you instead. What if you were to build an altar and allow God, allow Jesus to come? There's a story about a man by the name of Jacob in the Bible. He had a brother named Esau. Jacob messed over his brother Esau Betrayed, backstabbed, lied, cunned, stole. Years later, time had passed, but time doesn't heal all wounds. They were coming face to face for the first time in years. And Jacob went, fell before Esau, humbled himself, asked for forgiveness, apologized, gave forgiveness. There was a great moment, and in that moment, they built an altar out of worship to God. And the Bible says that they named the place El Elohi, which means God is present with us. Friends, when you take your stones and you stop hurling them, when you take the stones from the wall that you've built and all the pain and the hurts in the past and you build them into an altar, Jesus comes to be with you. See, he was betrayed by his best friend, Judas. He was lied and mocked at and falsely accused. He died for sins that he never committed. He paid a price that was high. He became the sacrifice to pay for your forgiveness. And while on the cross, standing half naked, beaten, and broken, he looked down at the people who just put the spikes in his hands, looked them in the eyes, and said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know. Forgive them and he breathe his last breath. While there is breath in your lungs, friends, drop the stones, stack them into an altar, and let Jesus be present to bring healing. Let him be present to bring healing. Forgiveness simply means that you're gonna treat the dead like Jesus treated the dead. You're gonna let him go and trust God in the process. I carried around this burden, this heartache, this pain from abuse as a child. Wasn't a family member. There's somebody I trusted. And it wasn't until I made the decision and I realized that the price that Jesus paid on the altar of the cross was sufficient for that hurt and that pain. If it was enough for your sins, isn't it enough for their sins too? It's time that we stop holding people, holding a debt over somebody's head that they can't pay anyways, and recognize that if it was enough, for Jesus to pay for your debts then it was enough for Jesus to pay for their debts. Is the cross sufficient? Yes, it is. And that's why we don't hurl the stones. We don't build a wall and harden our hearts with the stones. But we stack the stones into an altar and we bring them to God. See, it is on this altar that you can lay all of the burdens of offense that you carry in your life. Pastor, how do I do that? Well, let me tell you how you do it. I want to challenge you to do it this week. Get out a piece of paper and write down the things that you've been holding on to. Where have you been harboring unforgiveness? What are the things that you've allowed just to be in the knapsack of your life that you've been carrying around for years, that you've been blaming other people for? Identify them, write them down. And I want you to take them, crumble them up, and imagine putting them on an altar before God. And I want you to pray a prayer. Lord, instead of loving, I have responded with, to certain people, and I have unforgiveness in my heart. Forgive me for my sin of holding on to this offense. I ask you, Lord, to give me the power to forgive those who have hurt me. I release them to you now. Give me the strength to pray for them and bless them and want the best for them. Thank you for breaking these chains off my life. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen. That prayer is on our central hub under the sermon notes for this week. I challenge you, write them down and pray that prayer over each one of them and give them to God. Give them to God. Receive his love and his forgiveness. Receive his healing. The pain might be there, but the sting begins to go away. You know, you stand with me as we close. We began talking about bee stings and bees But I want you to understand something. You and I, like honeybees, we can be aggravated, we can be hurt, and we can feel the pain. And until we let go of the offense, we just become the bees trying to sting other people. The sad thing is, is that many of us have stung them, hoping that it was enough to pay them back. But what you don't realize is that for a honeybee, when they sting somebody, that stinger, that barb, it stays with them, but so does part of their abdomen and muscles and some of their insides, which causes this huge rupture in this bee and it brings the bee death. Many of you have been trying to sting somebody to pay them back, but what you don't realize is it's actually causing you to die on the inside. And they get over it. These rocks of offense, they're not going to hurt anybody else, really. They're causing you more damage. It's time that we stop trying to do the bee sting. And instead, we start stacking the stones as an altar to the Lord. Will you bow with me in prayer? Father, I pray for every person in this room. Lord, you're resounding and reverberating something in each of their hearts, each of their souls. Father, I pray that today that these words would not be condemning words, they wouldn't feel guilt, but Lord, they would recognize that it is your love in them that helps to release the people that we've been holding on to. All we have to do today, God, is no longer carry the stones, but stack them in an altar and say, God, you can have it. Meet me in this place, in this moment, God. And you're faithful to meet us and you allow the healing to begin. Father, for many in this room, there's some deep, deep pains and deep, deep wounds. Lord, help them to know that you love them deeply. You care for them immensely and that you are present to lift those burdens. Lord, we thank you for it. Thank you for your love that's deep and the price that you paid, we declare it to be enough. Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said